are listening to the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Enjoy the show. <laughs> hey folks, Justin here with a quick word before we dive in. This is a very special episode here that features myself, Angelique, and Nick. And our guest needs no introduction, but I'll give him a brief one. In this one, we're going to be chatting with the co-founder of Troma Entertainment, Mr. Lloyd Kaufman, about his new film, Hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm, Cinema History, Toxic Avenger, Free Speech, and Doing Drugs. Lots of drugs. So without further ado, here you go. Sanctuary of the Strange. Tonight's macabre myth is a fright-filled feature, one overflowing with monsters, madness, and magic. I guess just to break the eyes here, Lloyd, why don't you take us back in time to when you were a youngster? You know, what were you into as a kid to kind of spark your creativity? Were you reading a lot, watching a lot of movies? Well, my mother was a, a theater person. We had uh, Broadway stars at, uh, in our house as we grew up. Also, I didn't really do much and watch. I, I didn't see movies very much as a child. I did see How Do You Do. Loved How Do You Do. Can never do it today. Princess, Summer, Fall, Winter, Spring. I don't think that would quite work in terms of appropriating the uh, heritage of American Indians. I think Howdy Doody would be run out of town. They also had a uh, every show, they'd have a very short, silent movie that featured Vic, Clint, and Bullet. Three obese uh, dudes who uh, would do these incredible slapstick stunts and 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 Buffalo Bob would narrate. And my brother and I were like, <laughs> you know, at the age of four or five, we were totally mesmerized by Vic Clinton Bullock, now known as Tons of Fun, because we just Googled them to make sure. So uh, my, my mother was in, uh, into uh, Broadway and uh, took me to a lot of shows and musicals, especially. I loved musicals as a child. Cried uh, being a gay married man. I, I wept through every Judy Garland, Liza Minnelli, Barbara Streisand Broadway <laughs> show. Uh, to this day, I, I, I love musicals. Poultry Guy, Night of the Chicken Dead is a kind of a musical. And Shakespeare always yeah. had uh, singing and dancing and 
both Tromeo and Juliet, and the most recent hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm do indeed have songs, uh, original songs, pay homage to the bard. Actually, the Toxic Avengers were made into a Broadway musical. Ran a year and went to London's West End, been to North Korea, been all over the place. I saw it in Atlanta. Oh, wasn't that great? I saw it there too. Yes, it was fantastic. And that was actually right after I got to meet you. I got to meet you at Cinema Wasteland a few years ago. We love Cinema Wasteland. We've been going there for years, but uh, with the COVID thing, uh, yeah, we don't want to get wasted. But no. I, I hope to go this year. <laughs> I'm heading for Texas where they don't even wear masks or something. What do they do? They sue people who have a board, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be an interesting going to four or five cities. Believe it or not, we have a huge fan base in Texas. So clearly not everybody is you know, to the right of Colin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Lloyd, when yes, when you finally what made you finally decide to take the leap and pursue a film career? I know you graduated from Yale, so what makes a Yale graduate say, you know, screw China, I'm going to go make some movies? Well, very good point. I majored in Chinese studies, but uh, basically, I freshman year I was roomed uh, with a movie nut who ran the Yale Film Society, Robert Edelstein, and uh, he and his uh, coterie were heavy into uh, auteur uh, theory of filmmaking. Samuel Fuller, John Ford, uh, Fritz Lang. Renoir, uh, Mizuguchi, you know, the real, the real uh, Howard Hawks, the real auteur uh, of cinema. I, being a very cultured, I speak fluent French and I read it. In the office of the French, of the uh, Yale Film Society was a stack of Cahiers de Cinema, which is the magazine of the Cinémathèque Française, with articles in those days by Claude Chabrol and, and Jean-Luc Godard and Truffaut. And, you know, they were journalists transitioning. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, oops, sorry, I can't use that word. They were journalists moving, uh, transitioning something else. They were moving from uh, journalism to uh, art, to making the art. And they came up with this concept of auteur, uh, where uh, the director uh, is the uh, sculptor, the heart, soul and brains of the director should infuse the movie. And that's what the French were saying was art. And unfortunately, being a stupid freshman at Yale, I bought into all that. And of course, since I could read all that stuff in French, I, I really was brainwashed. Uh, lavage de cerveau, uh, brainwashed. So uh, I decided eventually to stay in New York City. I had two opportunities. Actually, you know what else helped me? There was a movie called To Be or Not to Be, Shakespeare, with Jack Benny, Carol Lombard, and Robert Stack, directed by none other than uh, Ernst Lubitsch. And then, of course, there's the son of uh, Lubitsch, uh, but that's something else. What you call wordplay. Anyway, Ernst Lubitsch is one of the greatest directors in history, as I'm sure you know. And his uh, masterpiece, uh, among his masterpieces, is To Be or Not To Be, where Jack Benny uh, switches places with Hitler. It's wonderful. It's so, it's crazy, but so disciplined. So, it's yin and yang. You know, my my major at at, at Yale was Chinese studies, and Taoism was a big deal for me. And and there's, there's is, uh, Ernst Lubitsch. It's a crazy movie, but totally disciplined, totally organized, beautifully. I mean, it's just a perfect film. And and I was watching that, uh, I think it was like junior year at Yale, and probably two or three other people in the theater. <laughs> people were not, most of the Yaleys wanted uh, Russ Meyer or James Bond. They weren't too much into Joseph H. Lewis or Samuel Fuller or, or, or uh, Borzegi or uh, those folks. So there'd only be a few people to show up for our screenings. But the whole year was would be financed by a weekend of James Bond and a weekend of Russ Meyer. The entire year of the Yale Film Society would be financed. I was not really, I was kind of just hanging out with them because I, you know, I knew nothing about film. 
And, you know, these guys were the real intellectuals. And Robert Edelstein was such a, a good guy, a sweet guy. We made a movie together based on Hawthorne's Rappuccini's daughter, our uh, junior year, he directed. And then the next year, we made The Girl Who Returned with a, 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 my Bolex 16 millimeters, basically a silent film. You can't shoot, sing, sound. But it had music and effects. And, uh, and <laughs> we'd show our movies at colleges, <laughs> charge a dollar. And the gimmick of a student-made feature-length movie in the psychedelic 60s was a gimmick. And uh, nobody set fire to the seats, so that was a valuable lesson. And also, uh, with The Girl Who Returned, I had sort of a sexy poster put around campus. Bingo, that big crowd. Well, Borzegi's Moonrise was playing the same night. It was just a, a poster that said, Frank Borzegi's Moonrise, <laughs> 8.30. <laughs> nobody, you know, three people. But because I had a young woman on her back with her, her love pillows under a tight T-shirt, uh, people assumed it was sexy, but actually it was a, she was a long distance runner and she had collapsed uh, after a race and uh, was sweaty. So uh, people came in. So I learned two things at Yale. One, no matter how bad the movie is, people won't answer their money back. And two, if you put a little something in the poster that's a little bit sexy, you may get people to sit down and watch your movie, no matter how bad it is. <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, in those days, Yale basically had one history of film. Uh, um, there was one filmmaking course, but because uh, Robert and I had made a feature-length movie, uh, Murray Lerner, <laughs> Murray Lerner didn't want us. <laughs> we were uh, too. I was too uh, wise guy. He he preferred the the uh, ass lickers who uh, uh, made the psychedelic, you know, like the current, the also woke psychedelic. Yeah. Uh, movies and here we are making a 70 minute beginning middle and end based on Hawthorne and a, another feature length feature, fictional movie uh, and in fact the one with the the Hawthorne movie by Robert Edelstein uh, Perry King who became quite a, a Hollywood star and TV star and and became inches playing Stallone's part the producers uh, actually thought Perry King was the star of, not the producers, but the bigwigs at uh, uh, United Artists. They thought it was going to be Perry King. <laughs> there was a miscommunication. They saw Stallone. They went, hey, wait a minute, that isn't Perry King. That's a factoid for you. I mean, factloid for you. <laughs> Angelique gets it. went way over Justin's head, but Angelique, she yeah. gets the sophisticated <laughs> humor. <laughs> She she is the most sophisticated of us. Can what that. can I say? <laughs> what can you say? Did you get support from your parents when you decided to take that film route, or were they were they pushing you to go a different path since no, you had started in, in Chinese studies? They were. Uh, they couldn't give a shit really. They were great parents. <laughs> I love them, but uh, yeah, they're very unusual. A lot of, you know, I've been married for 50 years. My folks were uh, very uh, kind of Dolce Vita types, uh, you know, swinging 60s. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> In fact, they were best friends with, uh, I grew up with Oliver Stone and his parents and my parents were, in fact, his father and my father, I think were best friends. And my, my father donated a, a, a 50,000 bucks to Trinity School where I was on the board in the name of Oliver's father. So uh, wow. we uh, all grew up in this kind of European, uh, Euro, sophisticated compared to our uh, age group. There were things we saw that I can't imagine, you know, parties. And uh, my folks had uh, had sort of an arrangement before they split up. You know, interesting, wasn't, uh, we didn't live in the leave it to beaver world. <laughs> I remember yeah. my father, toward the end, he said, oh, I'm so lucky. I've got a, a son <laughs> with movies that make no money. I got another son who's baking bread and a daughter or something. I don't know. He's basically, 
all his all his progeny were failures, but uh, that has not proven to be true. In fact, since he died, suddenly we all came to life and uh, been moderately successful. My brother, by the way, Charles Kaufman. And again, thank you so much for being interested in my 50 years. My brother made Mother's Day, wrote, directed Mother's Day, which probably is our best uh, movie. Certainly the best uh, horror-ish, although it's not horror, it's satire mixed with horror. Mm -hmm and comedy, uh, but it's Eli Roth's favorite horror film. It, that is a masterpiece. And my sister was the art director. And, and I know Toxic Avenger is very famous, but the Mother's Day, it, that could be studied in film classes. It's a perfect low budget film and it has something to say. And it's a, satir it's a satire of, tele of, of what was then TV and that world and EST and uh, it's, it's terrific. And my brother made two more movies that are fabulous, but he couldn't talk the talk to get where the creepy uh, people like Abel Ferrar, whatever he talks. Uh, my brother's infinitely more talented than Abel Ferrar, but they uh, they like, uh, you know, the agents and the managers and the uh, the little suits, little boy suits. Uh, they like that Oliver Stone creepy, cursing, cocaine, whatever it is, language. They like the uh, Abel Ferrar beating women in front of people kind of stuff. Uh, that's only my opinion, but uh, yeah, my brother was actually uh, extremely well-educated, incredibly talented, is the nicest guy in the world, has the best sense of humor, but he couldn't he couldn't move up from trauma, and you cannot live. Uh, I take it from me, buddy. He can't live directing trauma movies. <laughs> <laughs> Lloyd, post-college, when do you eventually meet Michael Hers, and how do we get from Yale to trauma? My brother Charles and Michael Hers were counselors at Camp Tarigo, probably some kind of a reform school camp. I'm not sure. Michael Hers met his wife there, and he and Michael, my brother, as I say, is, is wonderful and funny as hell and the nicest guy in the world, as is Michael Hers. So they became buddies. And I had, meanwhile, gone to Yale. And uh, uh, Michael was uh, number one in his class at the very best high school in uh, Manhattan. I think it's called Attica it's, uh, Upstate. No, no, uh, that's a prison. Uh, no, it's uh, <laughs> Stuyvesant. Stuyvesant, the very best school in Manhattan, in New York City, public school. And Michael was number one in his class. And so he got into Yale, but a couple of years after I did. So my brother said, hey, go look up my brother. And uh, Michael met me and he hated me immediately. But I had a TV in my room. And in those days, in the 60s, not everybody had a TV. I had a black and white TV, portable TV that the, the screen would do this, you know, and I'd have to slam it and that kind of a black and white TV. But uh, Michael didn't have one, so he wanted to watch TV. So he, he'd come and uh, watch uh, movies and uh, Marx Brothers and whatever. They, things like Marx Brothers uh, festivals on certain channels. You know, we didn't have cassettes or Blu-ray or streaming. We had none of that stuff. And yet, Michael Hurst has seen every movie made I mean, unbelievable how he, how much he knows about, how much he knows about everything. But he has, he's so uh, quiet and uh, non-assuming, a good guy. But he has, he has seen, he knows so much more than the typical movie critic, without a doubt. Not more than you guys, of course. <laughs> I might agree or disagree with you. <laughs> to give you a sense of the relationship, my father, uh, after seeing uh, my first theatrical film, Miraculous got into some movie theaters with Oliver Stone in it, Lynn Lowry, called Battle of Love's Return. And we had a little press conference and the Variety asked him, uh, in those days, Variety actually covered stuff like this, you know, new, un you know, unheard of uh, directors on TV budgets. And they asked my father, who has a big part in the movie. In fact, his scene is the funniest, Battle of Love's Return. They asked him, what did you like best about the movie, making the movie with your son? He said, oh, I liked it uh, in the movie when my son was killed. That was terrific. <laughs> sort of Michael Hurst, who my father loved better than he loved me, 
uh, Michael Hurst says to me, I'm going to the Pennsylvania Horrorcon, Pennsylvania Horrorcon. You're already deep in the reeds of the underground. Michael says, as I'm leaving uh, with Rocco, who you met my assistant, he said, don't embarrass me. Right? Don't, right? That's <laughs> my partner. Don't embarrass me. Needling, needling, lots of needling. So you and Michael hit it off, obviously. When did yeah, you guys decide great. to pursue and make a company? Well, he was going to law school and he didn't care for it. But his wife, his beautiful wife, Maris, who uh, works for Troma for 50 years, she uh, took her mother-in-law, her mother, to see a movie called Cry Uncle, an X-rated movie. But I had a huge credit, so this, he, she saw my name, and it happened to be directed by uh, John G. Avelson, who next film was Rocky. Troma still uh, has it on Troma now. It's called Cry Uncle, and it's hilarious. It had an X rating when it came out, but now it's a cool R. It's wonderful. But anyway, uh, he, Maris covered up the X rating with her thumb and uh, took her mother. And those and Cry Uncle had like a full page in the Times. You know, in those days, you could put together 80 movies, 80 theaters for an independent movie. It wasn't that they were all in one theater chain. There was something called competition. So Maris put a finger over the X rating and took her mom to see it. They loved it. And they saw, you know, my name up on screen, uh, big. So my, uh, Maris said, why don't you go talk to Lloyd? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, poor Michael went in and chatted with me, and uh, next thing he knew, they joined up, and um, uh, Sugar Cookies, which was the movie we were finishing, they, they got on that ride, which, uh, of course, was a huge flop. Probably the only X-rated movie in history to lose money, although it's an excellent movie. It's, it's our take of, of Vertigo, directed by Ted Gershuni. Uh, Oliver Stone was on that one as a producer. Mary Warnock, Lynn Lowry, uh, Warhol people. It's a good film, but it's, it's a little boring. I should have directed. I, I raised all the money and uh, I should have directed it. But uh, Gershuni was older than I. And there was another partner, a uh, fast talking guy with a toupee. <laughs> Uh, with a toupee and uh, stupid me, Candide. I uh, oh yeah, that sounds great. Uh, yeah, I made some. I got some friends at Yale. They might put up some money. And my old friend Oliver. I used up all my rich friends from Yale and uh, Trinity School on sh uh, sugar cookies, and then a movie we made in Israel, which couldn't miss. And uh, Michael came along for that ride too. Uh, the worst film ever made, but uh, with the cooperation of Menachem Golan and uh, Yoram Globus, who were running uh, something called Canon, whose mm -hmm. first iteration I worked for in 1969 or so. But uh, they were the boys from Tiberius who took over Canon and almost, and almost <laughs> took over MGM until they imploded. What was the name of that movie? I didn't catch it. A Big Gus, What's the Fuss? Mm, and uh, 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 the trauma team to embarrass us has put it up on, uh, I think, trauma now just to be. <laughs> but it is indeed, if you want to see a bad film. And we lost control. It was all, we went over to Israel to make it. Suppose, well, it's a boring story. But I talked about it in uh, my first book, All I Need to Know About Filmmaking, I Learned from the Toxic Avenger. So, Nicholas, uh, if you've read that book, uh, you can read the sad story of, uh, I used up every, every influential contact I had. Everyone was... <laughs> money no place to go but uh, somehow michael Hers steered the boat and we uh, survived you know we started acquiring and distributing other people's movies and stay and i would get work as a production manager like rocky and saturday night fever and mm -hmm. uh, uh, uh where i was on the production not necessarily production manager but the uh, rocky we produced all the philadelphia stuff uh, uh, uh sub rosa you know secretly so there's uh, eight days of filming in Philadelphia. All those iconic uh, scenes from Rocky, running up the steps, the uh, Italian market, the pet store, the exterior of the gym, the, uh, you know, all the, the, the steady cam usage, 
uh, all of that was uh, done by the trauma team from Cry, by John Adelson, sorry, John Adelson's crew from Cry Uncle and the trauma team, all non-union and all uh, uh, under wraps uh, until uh, the union, uh, the Teamsters found out and, uh, you know, they were pretty rough in those days. So the production went back to California, but I stayed to get my legs broken. But I also did uh, behind the scenes. I, uh, my Super 8 camera, which I used for auditions on our own films, I filmed stuff uh, behind the scenes in 1977. And uh, so I got the uh, second movie, I got the second use of the Steadicam, how we did it. I have exactly how I filmed how we shot the uh, uh, Stallone running up the steps. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, Avelson, even the director, didn't even remember that he was on a baby uh, legs. It wasn't a the, the big shot, the money shot was uh, on the baby legs. Uh, and there were all sorts of interesting things in my footage. And Avelson and I, Avelson cut the footage down to about 15 minutes. And we wrote narration for it and recorded the uh, a narration track together. And it's a lot of fun. It's a behind the scenes, you know, that you get on so many movies. But you see that one of the greatest movies in history was yeah. made made like a trauma movie with the the uh, you know the people, the citizens who are being uh, background actors for nothing would hose down the, the street themselves in front of their houses to make it look nice at night. And it, it's a wonderful little piece. It's on the, uh, the Fox for uh, uh, Rocky Blu-ray box, mm -hmm. uh, which they never sent me, of course. In fact, they put a uh, takedown notice on Avelson uh, and me uh, to take that thing down. We gave really? it to them. We gave it to them for free. It's my footage. It's Avelson's movie. You know, anyway, they, uh, Avelson, I gave, I, I was, time is too short. But he fought it, and uh, they, you know, eventually they understood it was our food. They advertised a lot. I think if you get, I had never seen the box set, but I am told that it, uh, the first thing on the back of the box is a special behind the scenes with uh, from Lloyd Kaufman, the Toma <laughs> Toxie. Uh, Lloyd, you said that the uh, Philadelphia scenes were non-union. Does that mean they were going to try to shoot the Philadelphia scenes in California? Yes, a good point. Yes, that was the thing. The producers, because Stallone and Avelson insisted that Stallone play the main part, and they were, boy, were they right. The producers only had a, a million bucks. So how were they going to, back in the 76, that was probably a lot more than it is now. It's still twice, still about eight times what a trauma movie would be. But a tiny budget for United Artists. So they didn't have enough money to shoot a union film in Philadelphia. So... <laughs> Allison called me up and said, hey, uh, can you get the Cry Uncle people together, the crew, and uh, go down to Philadelphia? And, and at the time, Mayor Rizzo, thanks to Stallone, some, I, I think uh, Mayor Rizzo had sort of a, uh, a da Damon Runyon. They didn't have film commissioners in those days, but he had sort of a Damon Runyon character, Joe Letizia. A sweet guy, uh, uh, and his daughter came friendly. She, actually, his daughter, uh, Jody, who was about nine or ten, is in the movie. And Joe um, got us, uh, you know, sort of, Stallone knew what locations he wanted, and he sent me a list, and Avelson sent me some photos. And uh, Letizia and I went around uh, to the different neighborhoods, like South Philly and uh, places that are in the movie. And we sweet-talked people into uh, giving us the locations for free, basically. <laughs> Uh, Pat Stakes, which is, I, I don't know whether you're familiar with it, but mm -hmm. uh, 24 hours, there's a line. I mean, it's unbelievable. And the family was so nice. They closed the business. They let this film. And, they, you know, this nobody knew anybody on this film. 
The, the only one anybody might have heard of was Burgess Meredith. They certainly didn't know uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Maniac, uh, Joe Spinell. They didn't know Talia. They didn't know Stallone. Uh, they didn't know Adelson. And how right. nice were those people? Uh, basically, the people in Philadelphia was unbelievably nice. Really nice people, especially in South Philly, where a little bit uh, sketchy neighborhood. They were incredibly <laughs> lovely to it. We could have kept going, but the Teamsters found out, I think, seventh or eighth day, and uh, the producers and the rest of the uh, stars felt uh, time to go back. But those eight days, boy, right? Imagine if Rocky hadn't been made with those. Right. I mean, how do you, you really can't recreate Philadelphia and California and, accurately. No, um, it's no, a big no. mistake. It's a big mistake. They made a movie called the, uh, about Alan Freed called Hot Wax something or other. And they shot New York for L.A. It stunk. It was awful. <laughs> it gets it. The public understands. The public's pretty damn smart. They got yeah. Toxic Avenger much faster than the industry did. The people in our area, not, I mean, trauma is kind of in an area over there. Uh, we're like a Cuisinart of genres. But the people that I meet at these conventions, like San Diego Comic-Con or or uh, Alamo Drafthouse, uh, other horror, sci-fi people. Stuart Gordon, for example, brilliant. You know, he reads, he listens, he's, he's got some of this, you know, wonderful, kind, generous people. Roger Corman, the best. Stan Lee, the best. James Gunn, the best. Eli Roth, the best. You know, it's, it's so interesting. Uh, there is a very kind-hearted person that seems to be uh, attracted to our, our universe, so to speak. How about you guys? I mean, thank you. You're welcome. Thank, thank you. So you. Like thank I was just going to say, yeah. to us, yeah. guys like you, Charles Band and Roger Corman, you know, you guys are trailblazers that have made the movies we love. I was going to ask you if you had much interaction with Corman or Charles. Yes, Mann yourself. Corman and I have been very buddies. In fact, we just saw him and Julie, his wife, because Mary, his youngest daughter, had an art show here. And, uh, you know, his kids called me Uncle Lloyd. That's kind of cool. And uh, my wife <laughs> and I, I went to, uh, the, you know, we went to the art show. There's 92-year-old Roger and Sharp was Attack. And he's, he's remaking uh, with Paramount uh, uh, yet another iteration of plant movie. Uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, 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 wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Because, you know, the show's back on uh, 42nd Street. Wonderful off-Broadway oh. version of it. Hilarious, beautiful, terrific. So I think it's good time for Roger and Paramount. And uh, Stan Lee and I were friends for 50 years. Uh, Jacques D'Amboise, New York City Ballet. We made pro bono movies for him for 30, 40 years. Avelson introduced us, and the uh, first movie Avelson directed. A lot of uh, uh, really interesting people that, uh, with whom I became very uh, close. Uh, Lemmy, uh, quite sad, they all died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Actually, somebody, some, uh, there was a man on uh, Class of Newcomb High, the first one, Tom Perry, a uh, wonderful special effects man, passed away. His wife, uh, Jill, just uh, left me a voicemail. Uh, if if uh, 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 I'm going to post something, uh, Toxie, you know, hashtag Toxie Weeps. But unfortunately, Jill, when she left her phone number, it got a little bit garbled and I can't call her. By chance, Jill Perry is listening. You are in our prayers. Trauma will uh, certainly pay tribute to Tom. Usually you have to pivot or adapt in business. So when did you notice sort of the shift from physical media to more digital platforms and streaming? And how do you feel about it? Well, we got into VHS very early. We were lucky. You know, the studios were suing the uh, makers of Beta, Cam, and uh, VHS. And the majors and the MPAA, Jack Valenti, basically uh, Satan in uh, the Come Down to Earth. <laughs> he said, 
he's he, he's the he's the enemy of art. Yes, exactly. He's owned. Well, he's gone away now, but the MPAA was owned by the uh, cartel that runs the industry. And uh, they totally destroyed people's careers and people's companies. Uh, we got into VHS immediately because we, you know, we're, we're uh, how shall I say the word? What would this, how could I say the 50 years of desperation? Does, does that ring a bell? <laughs> <laughs> you know, always any kind of new technology, that's yeah. what we did well, right? We, we went down to Norfolk, Virginia with Squeeze Play, a movie that no theater would show, and we got a sneak preview. We actually brought the actors there and did a, uh, a full-on press to Norfolk, Virginia. And, and uh, the movie had a sneak preview with the in-laws, two great comedians, Charles Grodin and you know, somebody equally as good who I can't remember. Wonderful film. But Squeeze Play, an R-rated raunchy comedy before Porky's, around the time of Animal, maybe before Animal House. The audience loved it. They loved it. Uh, that's how we got kind of started with theaters, uh, thanks to the public. You know, it's it's uh, never easy. Uh, we get constantly, uh, you know, right, right now, hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm, that hasn't gotten into one festival except Pangoria in Montreal, and that's because they're French. And they love trauma and they don't mind the word shit. And they don't mind uh, lots of happy looking naked people and, <laughs> and other other stuff. I hope you get to see the movie. Rocco sent you a link? I have not seen it yet. What? Oh, nope. well, uh, if you email me, Lloyd will send it to you. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's okay. I had plenty of trauma to watch last night. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, people are afraid of anything different. So. You know, we made the Toxic Avenger. Nobody wanted to play. It took two years before we got a theater. We made Class of Newcomb High. Oh, you know, the Class of Newcomb High is okay. But, you know, the Toxic Avenger, it's not as good as Toxic Avenger. Then we made uh, whatever came next. It's just not, it's okay. But Julio and Julia, it's pretty good. But it's, you know, this is James Gunn's movie. It's pretty good. But, you know, really, uh, Terra Firma is so much better. I mean, you know, you can't win. So uh, you just have to do, as the night turns to day, as the sky turns to blue, uh, this is what you can do uh, uh, in everything you do uh, to an own self be true. There you go. That's what Eminem said uh, as he got uh, his first arrest. <laughs> oh, no, Shakespeare. I got it mixed up with Shakespeare. Eminem, it's Shakespeare. It's easy to do. You know, Very that happens similar. to me all the time. <laughs> it's true. Where are you guys? You I'm in South head. Carolina. Oh, where? I'm close to Augusta, sort of the uh, Georgia, South Carolina border, where oh. the Masters is played. Soberton, Georgia, which is close to Savannah. Nice. I'm just north of Birmingham, Alabama. Wow. Interesting. My wife is from the north, but uh, we go to Litchfield, South Carolina, uh, and Huntington, uh, North Carolina. You know, we're, we're around South Carolina quite a bit. Uh, in fact, uh, we did something in the studio there, too. D'Angelo. What's his name? Dino D'Angelo? There's a studio in uh, North Carolina. Oh, it's North Carolina. Uh, oh, okay. Wilmington. Yeah. Wilmington. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Rough House. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, and of course, Savannah has got the amazing College of the Arts, University of the Arts. Uh, and yeah. uh, wow, I did a master class there. And the lady who runs it, created it, is amazing. She has uh, a wonderful sense of humor. She gets, you know, she gets everything from, uh, you know, uh, the, the most sophisticated down to uh, trauma. You know. <laughs> Well, next time she... in the area, get, let us know. We'll have a bite. Indeed, she's very lovely. I, in fact, I sent her a cartoon uh, cell from our uh, cartoon Toxic Crusaders, and she sent a lovely uh, thank you note mentioning Toxie. Yeah, well, certainly we're down in, uh, uh, in fact, no, we're going to uh, somewhere in South Carolina for family vacation. We're coming up uh, this summer. 
old movie down there, a place that uh, allows uh, mutant uh, grandchildren, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. I can understand coming here for vacation, but as someone who lives here, it's just hell on earth constantly. With the- <laughs> <laughs> you know, my daughter lives in uh, Charlotte, uh, who was director of photography on Return to Return to Nukemai and uh, has uh, uh, acted. She's uh, the young... Uh, she plays Audrey in uh, Terra Firma. She is working uh, in, she shoots uh, a movie in uh, Alabama. I think she's living in Birmingham. Wow. Oh, really? Mistaken. She works with uh, Andrew, the guy who did Jinxed. They are making a very uh, detailed movie about the Alabama prison system. She's based there and has been living there for a couple of years. Pretty, I mean, she comes up to see us every once in a while, but uh, basically she's living there. And uh, Andrew comes down there occasionally, but they also did a follow-up do you know the jinxed uh, thing uh, i'm not familiar i, I don't it's a the billionaire a billionaire uh, a new york real estate billionaire may or may not have killed his wife and another woman he went on trial basically was acquitted andrew in, oh, in, in alabama this is, the, this is the one where he no had no it had nothing to do with alabama he's oh, i'm sorry from new york okay okay but he, this is it, they were backstage or something and his mic was live and he yes he went to it. the bathroom yes. he went to the bathroom yes. And he says to himself, oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> I killed her, right? Sure, I killed her. <laughs> and oh, they, wow. Uh, and uh, so, so there's a second, uh, uh, there was a second trial. So there's another documentary, there's another series about, it's fascinating, it's terrific, because I, I don't, I shouldn't be talking about it, because I think, uh, A, I don't know anything, and B, maybe that's uh, they're trying to keep it on the download. But it's going to be, the first documentary series was incredible. Uh, the second one's going to be even more incredible. And there's going to be a third one, uh, be, uh, uh, sort of about a film within a film within a film. And then this other thing about the Alabama prison system uh, is uh, uh, beyond belief. You couldn't write this stuff. That they, All right. What a shit system. Like just saying Alabama is one of the worst. It is. People, it is. Absolutely. Like, horrible. I mean, it's like another worse than uh, Midnight Express by my old uh, second grade buddy, Oliver Stone. Oh, no, he wrote it. He didn't direct it. Alan Parker directed Uncle Lloydie. Uncle Lloydie took a lot of ass in the 60s. <laughs> I probably I, I, I for talking in the third uh, person, but uh, I, I, I'm very well educated. I've read a lot. I, I know so much about film history, so much more than the, the people who pretend to be guiding our aesthetic tastes, uh, the people who are, are afraid to uh, say any, you know, we have free speech as long as we don't say anything. I, I know an awful lot and I love cinema, which I don't believe that some of the, one of the companies you mentioned love cinema. I'm very sorry. And I ain't talking about the bigger company. <laughs> I don't want to go any further. But okay. Are you telling me that, do you think that Full Moon should be in a class with the people you're, there was somebody major you mentioned. Oh, Roger Corman? Yeah, Corman. He, Corman. He, Full Moon couldn't lick Corman's ass. <laughs> Full Moon is a piece of shit on the ass of God, you know. And yes, he makes a lot more money than I do. I'm sure he does. Oh, fuck. But uh, uh, I believe that uh, <laughs> what we are doing are serious movies. And I don't think Evil Bond Part 18 uh, can compare. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, there's Sausage. There's Sausage. And then there's uh, Beyond uh, Filet Mignon, Impossible Burger, vegan uh, film, namely Hashtag Shakespeare. On that subject, <laughs> do you... Do you- do you view the trauma films as high satire? Because I mean, I, I think they are too. Absolutely. I, but I mean, no that question. is your intention. Hey, the Toxic Avenger was made in 1982 or 83. 
Uh, it took 30 or 40 years, but finally they get it. And you've got a wonderful young director. You've got Peter Dinklage, a Broadway, a, 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 a stage of stars stream, a screen, and that crazy uh, uh, show on uh, on streaming, which I couldn't follow because there's so many characters. Game of Thrones. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, Game of Thrones. He, All the incest threw me off. You know? <laughs> well, wonderful. You know, well, Tromeo and Juliet is a... Uh, a propaganda film in favor of incense. Yeah. <laughs> you <know>, so I <laughs> guess <laughs> I take what we do and Michael hers also very seriously. But uh, Michael probably more than I enjoys stirring the shit. You know, he just doesn't go blabbing about it. Right. But uh, uh, you know we're very serious about we, what we do. We just don't take ourselves uh, too serious. But uh, I'll tell you, you look at Romeo and Juliet, which James Gunn wrote. Uh, look at it today. It's almost a it doesn't you don't even look at the uh, sexy stuff. It's uh, you know after uh, Cyrus, uh, what's her name, uh, Melly Cyrus, and you know we're in a different age in 1993. Combat right. Shock. Check out Combat Shock by Buddy Giovinazzi. Oh yeah. It took about 20 years to break into profit, but that's one of the greatest, darkest movies ever made. The best PSTD uh, movie in history, in my opinion. PTSD movie. Uh, it 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 mm -hmm. it's totally appropriate for the. Uh, Poor bastards coming back from the uh, this other phony war we've been having, Iraq and the other place, uh, Afghanistan. Right. I, poor bastards, they got PAT. Combat Shock is their movie, and it's doing very well right now. Also, Terra Firmer suddenly has a movie that... Uh, I th we take trauma aesthetics to heart. <laughs> yeah, well, there's really a lot there, you know. I mean, also, look at all the wonderful talent. Uh, even Vincent D'Onofrio, who was, he was basically an extra in the first turnout. But every time he was in a scene, he did such great comedy and such wonderful stuff uh, that we uh, basically wrote a featured part for him uh, right as we were filming the movie. So his, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's first featured role is uh, he was discovered by us. And not to, you know, much, I can go for two hours talking about those people. <laughs> but, you know, there's a way to rise up through the, uh, if you're just a background player, if you're any, you know, if you sort of have a little gumption, you can uh, uh, get easily get the attention of the uh, senile director just ask the people on hashtag shakespeare shitstorm some of whom some of whom play uh, hannah who did some of our cgi she plays she plays about eight parts uh, some of the other actors too they, they play uh, and and of course they're not just actors they're, uh, they're doing uh, special effects or props a holistic approach i can't wait for you to see it i think i think you, you know, i don't want to get your hopes up too much but i'll, I'll tell you there has never been a better interpretation of the tempest and i've seen most of them and and up till now derek jarman's british version which is wonderful it's a masterpiece it to me is the best and i would say hashtag shakespeare shitstorm is probably more profound and more of its time and more gutsy than uh, jarman's I, I really believe that hashtag shakespeare shitstorm is the best treatment of the tempest it's definitely better than the woman who did titus she did a tempest with a woman playing prospero that didn't work but titus oh my god that's the that's incredible and she also made a beetle movie wonderful film too and she did if they would have let her alone she would have made a beautiful julie tamor she was directing the spider-man broadway musical and if they would have let her alone She's a genius, but they felt the suits had to interfere, and as a result, Spider-Man ended up being the biggest uh, disappointment in Broadway history. And Stan Lee was very disappointed. And he told me that it was horrible for him. You know, his fans were upset. You know, he was, you know, they, yeah. you know, was, people think that uh, 
<laughs> you know, if, if the if the toxic movie stinks, the big budget one, they're going to blame me, of course. <laughs> yes. No, they don't understand <laughs> that it's the director's event. But the good news is Macon Blair and uh, Alex Garcia, the two people uh, controlling the film, they are doing a great job. You'll see. Yeah, we were just talking about Macon Blair. And I, you know, I'm, I'm always hesitant with reboots and remakes, but I would trust Macon Blair. Yeah, he has no reason to do it other than he loves it. He only does what he's sincere exactly. about. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think uh, I think we got something. I have a feeling it's going to be historic because it'll be better than the original and in, and, and, in, and probably incredibly more ship-disturbing in a mainstream way. I right. mean, there's some, there's some pretty wild stuff in there. I saw an interview where you said The Tempest was your favorite Shakespearean play. Why it's, is that? Well, Justin, I, first of all, I saw it with my mother uh, when I was about nine years old. I, I don't know if you've seen my brother's film, Mother's Day, but she and uh, my brother and me were the uh, model's for that. Uh, so that made The Tempest especially dear to me. And Maurice Evans was played Prospero, old man. And then it was on TV with uh, Maurice Evans again, I think, and, two, and uh, Lee Remick playing Miranda, Roddy McDowell playing, playing Ariel. Uh, guess who played Caliban, the monster? Richard Burton. <laughs> Wow. Oh, wow. uh, uh, anyway, that's a wonderful, it's just a TV version, so it's very black and white and 16, but it's, it's true to Shakespeare. And The Tempest says, oh, it, it's got uh, a monster, it's got a romance, it's got fairy, it's got storms and action and uh, passion. I was, I would I, I wanted to do it when we were doing Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet. Instead, I wasn't old enough. I wanted to be able to be Prospero, right. to think about what would, what's going to be like. And I, I, I get it. Uh, uh, Prospero was, he was a uh, nobleman banished uh, to, uh, from his kingdom to a shitty island of mm -hmm. the monster and fairies and all that stuff. And, and he was a magician. I'm uh, old and uh, lost a lot of power uh, and uh, banished further and further down into the bowels of the, the reeds, sorry, of the main, bowels of the mainstream. Hashtag shitstorm, continue the metaphor. And uh, <laughs> whale bowels, specifically. And uh, so, uh, you know, I, I get the idea of losing power, not to mention the fact that uh, I've had a knee replacement and uh, the acid and pot and so on gets a little, a little uh, how do you say it, sketchy in the brain. Uh, <laughs> and um, uh, so I can relate to it, God damn it! And you know, it's got a monster, it's got the, it's got the magic and all the, uh, it's got wonderful. It's made for me. Uh, you know, I played Prospero, and I don't want to be too much of a spoiler, but uh, I can't imagine any other seventy-five-year-old human playing uh, Prospero. I think they would have had a heart attack and died. And uh, <laughs> uh, I am kept alive by pure venom, pure bitterness. <laughs> Hatred for everybody. Oh, you'll be around for a while then. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing could kill me. Wait till you see the movie. Check it out. And, you, and tell me uh, it's a pretty... Pretty, if, if nothing else, very physical for older. I'm excited for that now. That sounds very amazing. excited. Well, you yeah. are awfully nice, and thank you very much. Sorry, I've been talking too much, but you're fine. Thank you. <laughs> no, this I'll... is your interview. We want you to talk. <laughs> Lloyd, just speaking on the Hollywood version that's coming out of the Toxic Avenger, you know, Troma's always kind of worked with low budgets and done their own thing. So, how do you feel about it? Does it feel weird to you considering Troma's history that this big budget Troma movie adaptation? Well, coming out uh, i'm vindicated right right <laughs> my yeah. whole career uh, around toxie he saw mickey mouse we made four toxie movies i have <laughs> i'm the one that said hey let's do a musical and i convinced my literary agent uh, that it should be a musical and he got a guy to write a musical and 
then there was another musical that fans did, and, and that led to the real musical, the Broadway people who showed up. You know, I believed in Toxie. I mean, I, I'm not surprised. What I am surprised with is how stupid the mainstream has been. You know, it's an environmental film, for fuck's sake. Uh, 20 yeah. years before Al Gore even heard of the internet and environment. And yet, uh, you know, we're very unappreciated. I guarantee you, if we were a vassal of uh, one of the conglomerates, let's say we were working for uh, Fox Searchlight or Sony Classics, uh, we'd be making a woke, also oh acceptable, uh, uh, way out film. We'd be taking <laughs> such huge chances that we get on The View, maybe, or, or on uh, CNN. Good morning, America. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> What's her name? Uh, Rhoda? No, not, Ro uh, not Rosie. No, Rosie's cool. The fat one is cool. Kelly, yeah, I Kelly and um, now, Hoda. Who's the, who's the one with Bush's daughter? The two of them. Uh, I have no clue. She's on Do Channel they're on, and all that. they're on Channel 7. Uh, she got a kind of a weird name. She's old, but she looks great in person. And she works with uh, Bush, Jennifer Bush. Uh, in the morning. You got me. It's like Good Morning America. <laughs> like at nine o'clock if you go to a gym you'll see it in front of all the uh, male uh, bicycle machines they love that stuff but lloyd i got a question for you i, st I stole this question from mick garris because he asked his guests this and i think it's a great question so and what a successful guy he is it, yeah uh, mick's awesome wonderful uh, uh, great way ahead of his time what are the hallmarks of a lloyd kaufman film to lloyd kaufman i think people i think i should talk more about trauma right uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because a I'm trauma film of, that's fine I think uh, people who go there, uh, they know that they are going to go on a ride they've never been on. And, and as a result, even though I only have one, I'm Willie Loman from, uh, in Texas. I have one night in five towns. Uh, it's like Willie Loman, you know, death of a salesman. Respect uh, should be served. But in any event, I, there's nothing I can do about it other than to tell people, you know, every, every, every theater is sold out so far. The, the one uh, next week in Oklahoma City is still filling up and Lubbock, Texas is still filling up. Uh, you know, the fans get it. They'd love it. And I think they know they're going to have some kind of a, a roller coaster ride. They may love, yeah. you know, they may love hashtag Shakespeare shitstorm. They may hate Tromeo and Juliet. They may, they know they'll never forget uh, when nature calls or, or, or um, Sergeant Kabuki Man and Mike PD. You know, they're, they're open to having some real emotion. You know, quite frankly, they want to be offended. And, and mm. they, the fans tell me that if anyone is offended by a trauma movie, it's their problem because they're fucked up in the head. There's nothing really offensive in a trauma movie. The women, all the movies that I've made, the women are the main characters. Tromeo and Juliet, Juliet's the, the, the main character. Toxie, it's his uh, blind, blonde, bombshell, a significant other who, who, who stops him from being a, 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 a yuppie. A terra firma, it's the uh, the, the uh, non-male production assistant who takes up charge and, and uh, leads the rest of them. I mean, unless you've got severe emotional problems, you will not be offended by any trauma movie. In fact, you'll be enlightened. You will be somewhere you've never been. And if you know anything about anything, and if you've read any book, and if you read any newspaper, even once a year, you'll have fun with every single trauma movie because there are themes within rips from today's headlines, just like Samuel Fuller, who uh, you ought to Google him if you're not familiar with him, and I wouldn't blame you if you weren't. We own one of his movies called Shark, but uh, the movie you need to see is the one about the lunatic asylum. Uh, Shock Corridor, oh man, you've got to see that.
all his movies, they're terrific. And uh, he gave me a lot of advice. He loved Troma's War and those are my gods. So I think, you, you know, people who really want to have an experience, have some genuine emotion. You know, my stepmother from Germany, uh, my father's second wife, cried during the first screening of Toxic Avenger because the pathos, right? Here's this poor guy. He's, you know, she had to walk across Europe uh, at nine years old after the war, after World War II. So she's this poor gym janitor who gets uh, uh, thrown in acid and becomes this sad monster hero. Uh, mother doesn't want him anymore, was turned out by his citizens, and she wept. She got the same thing. She had to leave. She had to run away from Germany because the Russians were, were going to kill her. So, uh, you know, pathos mm -hmm. in all our movies. I feel so like, I mean, like right now. <laughs> So, I mean, on, on that subject, you know, it seems like in trauma films, like we said, they're satire, obviously, and you're always punching up at, you know, in, in Toxic Avenger, for instance, you're punching up at people who are hurting the environment. And uh, with the with the whole gym angle, you're sort of punching up at 80 standards of, of beauty and whatnot. Is there anything in those old movies yeah. that you feel like has not aged well and, and over time has your has your method shifted? With, with the times, do you think? I think what has shifted the most is that we have uh, embraced new technologies and that we have become more and more uh, wanting to try to change things. For example, our fans created a, a very amusing uh, answer to the Academy of uh, Oscars campaign. They know that nobody's watching the Oscars and that the public couldn't give a wet fart about who wins the Oscars. So they tried to come up with a, a wonderful idea. Let's have a, a public, best public figure, you know, like the festivals do. The public's favorite movie. So let's do that. So uh, immediately, uh, these Hollywood producers start gaming the system. The PR firms are flooding the hashtag Oscars fan favorite with all sorts of bullshit about Army of the Dead, was it? Army of the somebody that was a huge flop, but a very expensive movie. Uh, so our fans decided to put up hashtag Shakespeare shitstorm. And that began flooding the Oscar, the Academy's uh, hashtag fan film favorite. So then we decided to join in on it. You know, we it took a lot of work, uh, wasted a lot of, it certainly didn't bring us any revenue, nor did it bring us friends. But just the idea of those fuckers from the bullshit Oscar Academy uh, having to deal with that and trying to think that uh, they're going to get an honest answer out of a, a public prize when you've got the public relations firms uh, gaming Rotten Tomatoes. Look what happened to uh, Harry Knowles. He was honest. He was actually giving peer group opinions, and he got taken down by some uh, woke uh, scum women. I also got taken down by the same, uh, by that gang, but the trauma fans killed. They destroyed the third-rate, how do you call them, the podcasters and the <laughs> scumbag women who, who were, you know, they thought, would, oh, we worked two weeks to get to destroy Harry Knowles. Oh, we're so exhausted. Uh, we're the, uh, the, the uh, what do you call it? The, the good, uh, Woodward and, and uh, Bernstein and Woodward of Twitter. Whoopee. You know? <laughs> so I couldn't stop myself and I made some fun of them. And uh, at any rate, they started piling on, but the trauma fans, those women never put their head above ground. The, the uh, third rate bloggers tried uh, weekly, but they were ruined. They were demolished. One of them said, ooh, Lloyd's a, a paid public uh, relations 
uh, army is making me feel, you know, really hurting me, and they're driving me back to the <laughs> the dark places. Oh shit, leave me alone! <laughs> yeah, you don't poke the uh, wasp nest. We have a fan called uh, well, we have a fan called Fire Herpes, <laughs> who has a, a following, and they destroyed uh, one of those influencers <laughs> are on uh, YouTube who had connected me with uh, PizzaGate, and <laughs> I mean, there were photos. Holy of, shit! They put my children's Facebook on the uh, on his thing and all that. Anyway, the fan. Demolished him and he apologized. But what a shithead he put! He had a photo of me in a restaurant, I think, with one of my kids and my commissioner wife, Tony Podesta, who's a lobbyist. And yes, I was chairman of the Trade Association of Independent Movie Studios, uh, 200 companies around the world. Excuse me, but we're trying to level the, the playing field, and we have a lobbyist to try to fight the the lies of Comcast. And this is around 2004. Uh, so this fucker, uh, uh, you know, we were having dinner with the lobbyists. What are you going to do? Uh, right. So he he puts my face in a red. Or I can't remember what he did, but total, not fake news, obscene news. Plus with the minor in the picture. Anyway, uh, he got he he apologized. But you know, what do they have to do that? Leave me alone. Yeah, screw that guy. Yeah, go after Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> Lloyd, out of all the projects that you've worked on throughout your career, is there one that? sticks out to you that has kept you up the most at night maybe the most challenging well hashtag shakespeare shitstorm i don't know if i mentioned this but <laughs> we, we filmed in albania for eight days and then uh, had uh, six or seven weeks in uh, u.s about five weeks of principal but then uh, pick up stuff uh, and i uh, at the end of it uh, being over uh, you know i think i was 75 had a i did a personal tribute to alfred hitchcock with uh, getting my own case of vertigo, which is really fascinating. Here's another fact, Lloyd. Sugar Cookies was Ted Gershuni and my attempt at creating a lesbianic vertigo. We loved uh, vertigo, so wow. one of our favorite films. And uh, I should have directed, though, because Ted made it boring. But it's still very good. Mary Warner and, and Lynn Lowry are great, and the Warhol people are good. But it's too boring. I could have done such a better job. And Oliver Stone told me that. He told me, get that guy out of there. But he was older and the other guys were older. And we uh, graduates of uh, Ivy League schools who had a few bucks, uh, we bought the act and invested, created the only X-rated movie. Sure, it's a little funny. Although maybe in the in the fullness of time, it probably broke even. Who knows? It's a good film. It's just boring. But it's very interesting. If you love Vertigo, you ought to see it. Tribute to the great hit. <laughs> Three days, I'm lying in bed with the room. You know, I thought... It, you know, I hadn't had a drink, so, you know, I, I, it's when I have a hangover, it does that. <laughs> it's, I was totally sober. Stuck on You, which is my favorite comedy, and I think the most interesting. Uh, it's very heavily based on Tom Lehrer and Dan Freeberg, a wonderful American satirist who, uh, unfortunately, have kind of forgotten, but genius. And uh, we're doing a movie I'm producing now, Anti-Hunting, and I think I'm going to feature a song by Tom Lehrer, his hunting song. I have heard that Tom Lehrer, and I've read that Tom Lehrer, when he became a 99 or whatever, he put all his art into the public domain so that you or I or anybody could share it, which is what everybody should do. 14 years was what Thomas Jefferson wanted, and now Disney has 75 years, and copyright <laughs> law shouldn't go on forever. Toxic Avenger, 24 years, okay, not 98 years. Give it back to the public. We can still do our own Toxic Avengers. Right? right? Nobody's going to stop Disney from doing their own Mickey Mouse. But 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 maybe, who knows, Justin 
maybe Justin will make a, his own Mickey Mouse. Uh, actually, uh, I've Angelique, got ideas. You know, Angelique uh, definitely wants to re- remake a, a feminine version of Goofy, right? Absolutely. I mean, he's a dog, for Christ's sake. Uh, what the hell's going on? I'll make then? him a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So uh, the point is, there's nothing wrong. The public deserves to own Mickey Mouse. We've supported Mickey Mouse for 100 years. But Clinton and and his, uh, what was the word we used about the dog thing? Uh, his bitches? Yeah. His bitch, <laughs> his, his bitch are all about... Uh, they're licking the Disney uh, ass, right? So uh, as a result, uh, we got the, uh, the millennium, the uh, two thousand, the uh, millennium uh, rule that uh, permits the uh, permits the conglomerates to do whatever they want and uh, threatens net neutrality. And let a lot of the laws that were prevented monopoly, uh, they got rid of them. Here we are. And then, mm-hmm. of course, uh, along comes uh, the subsequent presidents who are even worse. Now we've got net neutrality at risk. So. Yeah, and you again. have seen you've seen what YouTube and Amazon are doing uh, in terms of uh, independent uh, art. You know your your uh, re- website may be uh, a little raunchy, but uh, Bruce Willis has uh, even worse violence. No problem there, but you'll get taken down. YouTube right. took down the trauma channel. We've been up for 15 years. They took it down, and luckily our fans made a stink. Then they put it up. Total hypocrites. Got what was their reasoning? Community standards. Out of the blue, but the but the fans the fans within forty eight hours it was back. But then Michael Hurst, this is why Michael Hurst is. I would have just kept going. Michael Hurst says no, we're going to take all the movies and bring them over to uh, Troma now, which we had started, and uh, fuck uh, YouTube. We'll put our uh, our uh, you know we'll put Lloyd Kaufman's uh, opinions. We'll put some of the stuff that is uh, current. Promotional stuff, but everything else going on trauma now, which is all ours, and it's growing. Thank you, YouTube. You did us a favor, probably. Fuck you, YouTube. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. It really yeah. is unfair. Amazon, maybe it's changed, but Amazon owes us about seven thousand bucks. We can't get a human. They, you know, this is from old stuff that they've been playing, uh, and they, they, their machine, their algorithm says this. And uh, they, uh, we can't get anyone to pay us. So we, believe me, we need the money. I got a huge drug for I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> want to make some more movies. Well, you're very kind, and I hope uh, we all keep in touch. And you've got my email. So let's at least get together in South Carolina, or maybe my daughter in Alabama, or uh, if we go to Charlotte. You know, we get invited to these things in Charlotte, where my wife is from. You know, let's try to get together. We sure Definitely. will, Lloyd. We'll be there. Absolutely. Yeah, you'll love my wife. She's, in, you know, as I say, she's as... I love your wife. She's precious. Yeah, isn't she great? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Boy, thank you for giving us your time, man. It's oh, been an absolute it's pleasure. It's a lot of fun. Thank you very, very Absolutely. Much. Please uh, watch the movie and uh, sing it to the world. We thank will. You. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Lloyd. Thank you. Welcome to the night. You think you know Night Demon? Then the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast is for you. Step into the darkness as we peel back the curtain to give you an unprecedented, all-access look into the mind and the heart of the demon. We're talking band history, song analysis, studio anecdotes, stories from the road. It's everything a diehard Night Demon fan could want and more. This is the only place to learn the inside scoop, the deep dive trivia, 
the untold tales from the band members themselves and those closest to the Night Demon story. Need more? The sacred Night Demon crypt will be pried open to reveal demo recordings that have never before seen the light of day, all with in-depth commentary by the band and the people who were there for the writing and recording process. This is a gold mine, a treasure trove of all things Night Demon. Head over to nightdemon.net or wherever you listen to podcasts.